Welcome to the Citizens Report. It's the 18th of June. I'm Robert Barwick, and I'm joined today by Citizens Party founder and leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. In this week's Citizens Report, the money power monster strikes again, strike back, and suffer the little children doesn't mean make them suffer. Um, before we begin, I just want to say, uh, remind people that we're closing on the end of the month where we're going to be losing Channel 31 and Craig will have an editorial comment about that in a minute. Um, so everything's going to be based on YouTube. So please, we need to expand our YouTube presence. If, you, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe to the channel. Uh, ring the, uh, the bell icon to get notifications uh, and spread the word, please, to help us grow this channel. Because uh, until for the last 10 years, Craig, we've had this good footprint on Channel 31, which has been great. Um, but the government's stuffed that up. Uh, also, what we cover in today's show and every show is in our weekly magazine, the Australian Alert Service. Right, We can't do justice in the time we have on the show to these subjects. The details are in here. So if you haven't received a free copy before, there's a standing invitation, call in, you'll get a free copy to read it. Um, otherwise, you, know, you can uh, get in touch with our office to find ways to get it more regularly. That said, Craig, let's get into today's uh, show. Yeah, now, I know you wanted to say something. Yeah. Do you want to say it now or in a minute? Well, Robbie, I think today's show is going to be prefaced by a number of different... Well, we're, going to, we're going to a number of different uh, subjects here. But I, I look, I, the, the shutting down of Channel 31, yeah. right, what I wanted to, to say to people is caveat emptor the Morrison government. Buy beware of the Morrison government because I'm getting sick of them. Yeah, frankly. And the problem is, that, look, Channel 31 shutting down is just a classic example. Look, this bandwidth for Channel 31 isn't going to be sold off for at least three years. Channel 31's provided an incredible platform for, for actors, for, for, you know, for some very talented TV. And when it was people. going properly, every capital city had, it. had this free access or public access channel yeah. that if you organise yourself like we did, other people, you could get your shows on there and people could flick through... The, the, the TV and get a free-to-air channel and suddenly see local content. Yeah, and the point, Robbie, I want to point and highlight is just the sheer bastardry of the Morrison government. The sheer bastardry of shutting yeah. this channel down for no reason. Yeah. They, they don't have to for three years. But, again, it looks like Channel 31 is going to go off air. They've done this for the last six years. I mean, they're threatened to do this, yeah. right? And there's a last-minute reprieve. I don't know whether it's going to happen this time. I hope it does. But, as but there's less to save this time because yeah. there's only two cities left. But then if you do, look at this government, for example, right? You know, look at the refugee issue. We're going to cover that a bit more later. You say suffer young children doesn't mean them to suffer. Why is it that Christians, the so-called you know, Christians, in charge of the government, allow these children to suffer? Yeah. Well, this is the nature and the type of government we've got. Look at what Morrison did in uh, bushfires. The worst bushfires in Australian history he took off to Hawaii. How can that happen? Well, he's not connected to the actual reality of what people are going through. He's, he's doing it now for political reasons because there's an election coming up. Yeah. Right? You also have a look at this uh, issue of the treatment of Christine Holgate. We've been through it chapter and verse. Look what he did, the absolute brutal, terrorising approach that he took to get rid of her. Now, there's a reason for this because he's the banker's boy and we'll spell that out even more. Look at the, the way he's running the, the, um, the, the, the response to COVID-19. Where are the quarantine centres that we need to get out of hotel quarantine? These should have been built last year. They should have been built within six months 
with a mil military-style approach, you just get in and you do it like we would have done during World War yeah, II, yeah. right? Then you look at the, um, and look, we're being locked at lockdown 4.0. We're a bit more sensitive to these sorts of things than other people around the country. Yeah. But this is the, the incompetence of the Morrison government. And then one another example, look at aged care. The people that died in aged care were predominantly under federal jurisdiction. The state healthcare system here actually was one exceptionally well. It's well staffed, it was very safe, and next to no one got COVID-19 in the state-run aged care facilities. But this is the privatisation model, you know, the, 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 um, the cash cow model of, yeah. of private uh, health, uh, private aged care. Australian private aged care is four times more profitable than the closest one in the world. And this is because of the fact that our economy yeah. is run and dictated through by the banks. And I think the Shipton affair that's just that we're going to report on now yeah. is an, a, a prime example of this. And I want you, you should Craig, lay what out you, to What you're actually describing there comes under the category of the common good. Yes. This government, this individual who leads this government has no commitment to the common good. And that's what you see. And look, when you talk about the Citizens Party, yeah. our policies do come from the common good. You, you, you don't put the banks on top of everything. You don't. No. And I think this, this uh, Shipton issue that you're going to go through right now, uh, you know, James Shipton's removal from ASIC is another classic example of when people try to do the right thing, even in very limited ways, that approach attacking the banking powers, yep. they get moved on. Well, that's, that's, that's the issue because what you've, you've contrasted all the things that Scott Morrison either has or mostly hasn't done, like you know, hotel quarantine. If we could add to that leaving 30,000, 40,000 Australians stranded overseas, yes. right, when they could have yes. got the Qantas fleet that was mothballed and gone and got them. And if you have a commitment to what's good for people, you would make it happen. He has no commitment to that. But when it comes to the banks... They didn't even have to tell him to jump. He's already floating up there high, right? And so I want to read a quote before we begin because this, this segment is called The Money Power Monster Strikes Again, Strike Back. And we're going to talk about what's happened to ASIC Chairman James Shipton. But let's begin with a quote. This is from a newspaper, 114, uh, what's that, 115 years ago, Craig. Yep. 5th of January, 1907, the Brisbane Worker, back when the early Labor Party had a whole bunch of newspapers. It was back, back before the Labor Party, when the <laughs> Labor Party was the Labor Party. That's right. Not this recent one we've got. That's right. This is the quote. The money power. It is the greatest power on earth, and it is arrayed against Labor. No other power that is or ever was can be named with it. It attacks us through the press. A monster with a thousand lying tongues, a beast surpassing in foulness any conceived by the mythology that invented dragons, werewolves, harpies, ghouls and vampires. It thunders against us from innumerable platforms and pulpits, the mystic machinery of the church as it turns into an engine of wrath for our destruction. And that, that quote comes from a pamphlet that you can get from us that we did 20 years ago, Craig, The Fight for an Australian Republic. From the first fleet to the year 2000, we have that in there. That's original work, Robbie. It is uh, original work. From oh. 1997 to 1999, we actually spent a lot of time in the archives of the library up in Canberra, digging up a lot of this And material. Melbourne and Sydney. And I mean, I, I, I got very used to those archives. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, because this is a monster and it has struck again, all right? A monster with a thousand lying tongues. So everyone 
who watches our show, Craig, would be familiar with what we covered about Christine Holgate. The 22nd of October, she was ambushed by the Prime Minister, and now the rest is history. It's well documented, right? And it's been an incredible fight. Well, we have just discovered this week that the 22nd of October is a day that she'll live in infamy because on the same day, on the same pretext, in the same way, and for the same reason, the Morrison government also got rid of the ASIC chairman, James Shipton, that reason being because they threatened the banks. Christine Holgate made the banks pay properly for using Australia Post to do its, its banking. Um, and she's threatening for an Australia Post bank. And she bank. threatened to start a starter bank, mm -hmm. right? Australia Post Bank, which would break the monopoly of the big four. James Shipton, the chairman of ASIC, well, he's no Christine Holgate. He hadn't achieved anything like she achieved. But there is evidence that the, the modest things that he had tried to do were an enormous threat, right? So we've just put out a press release on this today. Craig, I want to go through some of the details. It's based on an article in the Australian Alert Service by one of our excellent researchers, Melissa Harrison. The article is called Morrison Government Overthrows Another Inconvenience to the Bank. And I'll just go through some of the details um, about the actual, what they did to him and then we'll give you the, the reasons why. So essentially what happened is this. On the 22nd of October, the um, Auditor General sent a letter to, Scott Mor to Josh Frydenberg saying, I'm concerned about the expenses that were paid to James Shipton, the Chairman of ASIC, and the Deputy Chairman, Daniel Crennan. The next day, Frydenberg announced an inquiry, and he, said, he announced that Shipton had stood aside, like Christine Holgate was told to stand aside, so they could investigate these, this expenses scandal. That's what I'm saying. It's the same pretext, expenses mm -hmm. scandal. Same way, standing aside, right? Then they have an investigation, a supposedly independent investigation. The, um, they appointed a woman, Dr. Vivian Tom, to do the investigation, right? Except the investigation was actually by the Treasury. She was just doing it on their behalf, so it wasn't very independent. And here's the funny thing. He announced this on the 23rd of October as if he'd just discovered, thanks to this attorney, Auditor General letter, Right, except he had already officially contracted Dr. Vivian Tom to conduct a review on the 15th of October. Straight away, something stinks there, right? Something was already afoot, in other words. It was a charade, just like the whole Christine Holgate thing was a charade, right? Um, Dr. Tom did her review. She cleared Shipton and Crennan of wrongdoing. Why? Because in both cases, the expenses that had been paid by ASIC on their behalf had been agreed to, they were part of the employment um, recruitment of these guys. They said, one was in Hong Kong, one was in Melbourne, they had to move to, to, to Sydney, and they said, we will pay your expenses to do that. Same scenario right? as Kristen Holgate. Yeah. Um, this was something they had offered, right? So even though she, then she, so she cleared them, and then, though, she had a little sting in the tail, the pub test. Remember the pub test? Oh, the pub test. Right? She actually said in this that, no, they, they'd done the wrong thing because... A person cannot expect ASIC to cover all relocation costs, except that had been their agreement. They agreed to join ASIC on that basis, right? Now, get this, Craig. Both of them had already, on their own, expressed concern about these expenses because the expenses were high, right? Mm -hmm. They'd actually expressed concern about that. So, they had, weeks before Frydenberg announced this inquiry, they had both said, we're going to pay back these expenses. Yep. It was actually a non-issue by then. But it was made an issue. Um, 
The terms of reference made sure that Treasury had the final say in this. So, like I said, it wasn't that independent. Scott Morris, sorry, the, the, the Frydenberg, the Treasurer, received the report on the 17th of December 2020. But he sat on it for weeks until he eventually released an abridged version to the public on the 29th of January. And that abridged version missed was missing several of Tom's key findings. Well, actually, right? Robbie, she put the report out and, they, you know, instead of just redacting it, they actually rewrote it. Rewrote it. That's <laughs> just, you know, I think Tom resigned shortly thereafter. She quit. So I'm not having anything yep. to do with this. No, no she quit. Um, and then the, the, uh, the pizza de resistance, uh, Frydenberg announced that despite being cleared of any wrongdoing, he and Shipton had agreed that, quote, it was in the best interest of ASIC that Shipton ultimately stepped down. And then he replaced him, Frydenberg replaced uh, Shipton with a guy named Joe Longo, who was from Frydenberg's own old bank, Deutsche Bank. And Deutsche Bank is one of the most corrupt banks in the world. It has had huge battles with regulators all over the world. And this guy, Joe Longo, has made a reputation for himself fighting those regulators. And now he's in charge of the regulator, right? So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll give a bit of the what was really you, going you on. Best take a breath, Robbie. Yep. <laughs> Welcome back to the Citizens Report. We're discussing the money power monster strikes again, strike back. And what we're talking about is that on the same day as Christine Holgate was assassinated by the Liberal government because she took on the banks, the chair of ASIC appears that he was assassinated by the Liberal government because in his own way he took on the banks. It's more interesting now what Shipton was actually trying to do, even though it wasn't you know, that much. It was just enough to get him thrown out. And the con but I'll tell you why, because the consequences were bigger for our economy, hmm. right? Here's the bottom line. Our economy is based on a property bubble that the banks have inflated. And if that property bubble ever bursts, the banks are going to be all wiped out, Craig. Mm. We've said that a hundred times on this show over 10 years. And that's, that was what was at risk. What happened? James Shipton became the new chair of ASIC in November 2017. That was the month Malcolm Turnbull appointed Justice Kenneth Hayne to head a royal commission into the banks. Right? Reluctantly. Remember, it was forced on him. He oh. jumped before he got pushed. Yep. So... For the next year, James Shipton, the new chair of ASIC, gets to watch his regulator get shredded every single day in that Royal Commission because they were shamed on the stand every day because of what they had allowed the financial system to become. APRA was un the bank regulator was untouched, APRA. The RBA was untouched. It was ASIC the cop to caning. So remember the famous footage of, just of Kenneth Hayne handing the report, the final report mm. in February 2019 to Josh Frydenberg, how uncomfortable that was, right? At that time, Josh Frydenberg made a big show saying, we're going to implement the recommendations of the Royal Commission, etc. And that included him writing a letter to James Shipton saying, you've got to step up enforcement. And, the, and the, there was a rhetorical question in there. Why not litigate? I mean, take him to court, right? Turns out Josh Frydenberg wasn't serious, but James Shipton was. So ASIC had a court case going against Westpac for irresponsible lending. And it was a seminal case in 2019 on the outcome of this case hinged the whole property bubble because if, if the judge had a rule that Westpac was wrong to make these loans to people who couldn't pay back, that would have ended that kind of lending and without the new lending coming in, the property bubble would, would, would implode and that's what was happening in 2019 anyway. It's shrinking, right? Prices were going down. The judge didn't rule that way. He ruled the other way. He 
he actually said, no, 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 Westpac was fine. It's the borrower's own fault. And he, and he famously said, and disgustingly so, he said, if they can't afford to repay their loan, they should stop eating Wagyu beef and, and drinking Shiraz wine. Right? And anyone who's been involved in this picture was disgusted at that. It became known as the Wagyu and Shiraz case. And the caveat emptor whole approach. Caveat Morrison. emptor. Yeah. Let the buyer beware. You're, it's yeah. your own fault. You got in trouble, right? Yeah. Um, the banks can do whatever they like. They can recklessly lend to mon people, money to people they know can't pay back because they always get the house at the end if it fails anyway, right? They're covered. Um, uh, but, yeah, Shipton and, and ASIC said they were going to appeal that decision. All hell broke loose on that announcement that they were going to appeal that decision. And I, say, I mean all hell broke loose. They were being attacked. ASIC was being attacked by the, the top liberals in the parliament who are real bankers' boys like... Uh, James Patterson and Tim Wilson from the Institute of Public Affairs, which, which was founded by the banks and serves the banks, right? Um, the real sign of how big a deal this was, was the Secretary of the Treasury and the Reserve Bank Governor himself, Philip Lowe, leaned on ASIC and said, do not do this, you will, you will, um, uh, you will hurt a COVID-19 recovery if you appeal this decision, yeah. right? A number of people have heard about these responsible lending laws, Robbie, right? So Shipton was actually trying to enforce those on the banks. Well, he was saying there's no reason to change them because yep. uh, Josh Frydenberg said, oh, we need to, we need to re weaken those laws or wind them back because we, we need to get an economic recovery. And Shipton had said, no, there's no need for that. And those laws are apparently coming up for some sort of action this week in Parliament? Well, on Monday, the Greens are going to move a motion to actually get rid of Frydenberg's bill. But that timing is quite crucial as well, Craig, because that was the other thing. The, the big dispute between Frydenberg and Shipton was over those laws. Mm -hmm. Shipton had said there's no need to change them. The month... Well, 25th of, 25th of September, a month before Shipton... this this. Expenses thing blew up. Josh Frydenberg announced his bill to wind back the responsible lending laws, and he said, we're going to do this for the um, economy, right? We need to do this for the economy. And, of course, he had a problem because that meant the head of his main regulator had already said, no, that's not necessary for the economy. We've got to keep the responsible lending laws. So a month, it was a month later that the Auditor-General's letter gave the pretext for, for Morrison to set... Sorry, Frydenberg to set in train this thing to move him on. Now... We've covered um, that in broad brushstrokes, but it's quite clear what Shipton had become for the government, right? The replacement, I'll just read you a quote. The replacement um, who's now in power is now there, Joe Longo. The 3rd of June 2021 Financial Review reported Longo signalled his support for Frydenberg's deregulation agenda and, quote, made it clear at his first public opinion appearance he will be the business-friendly regulator craved by Treasurer Josh Frydenberg. And that's, you know, in a sense, that's all you need to know. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that, Craig, that um, Jane, I don't know Jane Shipton, so I don't, I don't know, you know, what his intention was or whatever, but the Royal Commission was such a, a shocking event. You'd have to be a psychopath to be the hair, chair, of, chair of ASIC and, and look at it and go, we're, and not say we're going to lift our game, right? He tried to do that, but this government... The Morrison-Frydenberg government is government of the banks, for the banks, by the banks, right? And he has paid the price in exactly the same way Christine Holgate has. Uh, no wonder Justin Hay didn't want to shake Josh Frydenberg's yep. hand because he knew what was up all along. The, look, these royal commissions, they're sort of rigged from the start. They're, they're set up with certain limited terms of reference, certain institutions you can't attack, as was in this particular case. What the fallout is what's happened, you know, yep. not from the recommendations so much, but... 
the government fighting those recommendations. But we know this, so we have to strike back, right? Yeah. And that's what, our, that's what this campaign that we're doing is about, especially things like a postal bank. Because what postal banks do is make the private banks compete. But Craig, we've got to take a break and we'll come back on the question of the uh, little girls. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. Finally, suffer the little children doesn't mean make them suffer. And of course, Craig, we're talking about what's happened to the Sri Lankan family um, that was, that's been up on Christmas Island for the last two years. The bottom line is this. If that little girl hadn't got sick, they would still, still be, be there. there. Yep. And so you've got, and I, you were right, I was, you know, I was, I, I've spent all my life raised up in churches, etc. We've got a prime minister and an immigration minister that are de supposedly devout Christians. This is not Christianity. Sorry, no, I'm no, going to be no, judgmental, no, hate me or whatever. This is not Christianity. What we are doing, we are deliberately treating refugees in as cruel a possible way as we can to make an example of them so other people don't come. It's not just not Christianity, that's illegal under international law. That is Australia's policy. And here's a, an interesting point, though. It wasn't just that she got sick. This is one issue where the Labor Party decided sometime in the recent past to actually make a stand on this family, not on immigration broadly, but on this family, right? And what happens when the opposition actually does oppose the government? If something goes wrong, the government's got nowhere to hide, mm. right? So she got sick, so they've, they've now said, okay, they can come back into the community. But there's a whole town in central Queensland called Biloela, as redneck a place as any in Australia, right? They want them back. It does nothing to Australia to send them back, right? Let them live a normal life. But we are committed to cruelty. But it's worse because um, where the Labor Party does fall down is they have just allowed the government to pass another law. It was This is on the 21st of uh, back in May. The law is called the Migration Amendment Clarifying International Obligations for Removal Bill. And just to, it's a bit complicated, but just to make it as simple as possible, um, there's a, under international law, you cannot send a refugee back to a country if their life might be in danger. It's called refoulement. Um, Australia's previous, Australia would say they hadn't done that, but their previous legislation actually said, we don't care about that, we'll send anybody wherever we like. So this law they passed in May was to clarify that and say, no, no, we will, our Australian legislation will abide by international law, except the way they wrote it, the human rights law centre points out they've actually made it worse because under the new law passed, if the refugees can't be sent back because of refoulement, but are denied a visa by the Australian government in the same way they're denying the Sri Lankan family a visa, under this law passed in May, the government can lock up those refugees potentially for the rest of their lives. And yeah, Rob, this is what I was getting to when I made yeah. my preference remarks. This is the nature of this government. It's nasty. Now, people can sit back and they can make a judgment about this and they can just sort of ignore it and just let it go on. But what happens when it starts to come to, to an issue that affects them? Are they going to look towards a government that's going to be sympathetic towards the common good? Of course not. You're going to get this super religious, fanatical, self-righteous, hatred-driven attitude towards minorities and you know, human beings. And we already saw it with the Indian decision. 
Yes. Because people were shocked that if, even if you're an Australian citizen, you can't come back. But this is built upon poor economics, Robbie. This is built upon free trade economics. This is built upon economic systems that don't put people first. If we'd built quarantine centres like we should have right from the get-go, you could be bringing these people back. But no, 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 no. Yeah. The, the my dollar has to take precedence. No, human life takes precedence. And, of course, for the, for the, in terms of the general immigration question of refugees, the people that are afraid of them are afraid of things like losing their jobs because we have a terrible economy. Yes. We need to fix that up. Well, that's well, right, Robbie. The point is that this is this has really highlighted the nature of the, of the Morrison government. We've got to get rid of them. The Labor government's not much better, so well, look towards us. us. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Craig. Thank you, Tune Robbie. in next week for more.